right. Hello, and welcome to I Love That For You, the podcast hosted by your lovely friends. I'm Red. And I'm Kelly. And this is our very first episode. And Kelly, what are we doing? (laughs) Seriously, when you hear your friend starts a podcast, you're inclined to ask, are you good? (laughs) (laughs) Are you all right? Maybe not. We both met each other in a place that shall not be named, a a large media company. But uh, as we record this, there is a writer strike. So everything is kind of shut down, including our souls. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, going back to who we are, as Kelly said, we met in, I want to say it was like 2018, 2019. No, I think it was 2018, maybe even earlier. And we both started working on a department newsletter together. That was not either of our jobs. We just both love to write. So then we realized this and we both decided to hang out outside of just doing that work together. We were in different departments. I used to run up to her desk two floors above me. <laughs> oh my God, all those steps. So um, many. And I never took the elevator. I always took the stairs because it would just take too long. This was like on a, how many floors? 20 floors? 21. I used to be on 21 and then I got moved down to 17, but I would take the stairs like every day. That was my no. workout. <laughs> yeah. I would. Okay, you're crazier than I, I am. Know. I would take the elevator to my floor, but then to wait for an elevator just to go two floors up was ridiculous. <laughs> so then I'd be running up the stairs to go see Kelly and tell her about the latest antics in my dating life. Oh, um, boy. You'll hear all about Red's dating antics in a future episode. <laughs> Yes, because I am still single. However, I was fortunate to be a part of Kelly's special day. She just got married. Um, Yeah, at the time of this recording, it's been a month, maybe Uh, two? A little over a month. Yeah, April 28th in Carpinteria, California. Chilly day, but truly the most perfect day that was a nightmare to get to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you'll hear all about wedding stuff and so many other things because that's what this podcast is. Um, The two of us are both going through kind of life transitions and we're in our 30s and you know we found ourselves for me I was part of a layoff so I no longer was in my copywriting job and Kelly as was I yes I was laid off from my development executive job I was working on Christmas movies and rom-coms and really really enjoyed the job and I'm also a writer as Red mentioned but yeah I got got laid off a couple months ago and I'm not good at it I don't know how to be <laughs> unemployed so hence the birth of this podcast I'm just going to point out the fact she says she's not good good in unemployment. And meanwhile, she's had a wedding and also her MBA graduation in that that time. (laughs) Yeah, she's really doing a terrible job right now. What about you, Miss Thing? (laughs) Well, I also might be going through a transition in the sense of I've been freelancing, but I've been thinking about doing a career change. And in doing so, I may not only be going back to school, but I may or may not We'll see. I may also be going to my home country, which, yeah, shocker, everyone. I am not originally from the U.S. (gasps) Gasp. Gasp. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) No. So that's the thing. We're trying to figure this out. And we thought, what were the things we wish right now as we're in our 30s going through all these changes? Some of us going through navigating a marriage. Some of us who are navigating dating. Help. Um, <laughs> yes, but I live for those stories. We always, you know, live from the other side of things. Right. I, I 
love your story so much. I can't I wait mean, to share some. Uh, and, uh, I know you nervous. Can. I know. <laughs> Just because who knows if my family will listen or not. And I don't think they want to hear about these shenanigans. Oh, oh God. No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but we thought, what else could we be looking at right now to kind of encourage us? And we thought, you know, looking to people who either made changes later in life or found different ways of living their lives or things like that. Not everything has to be sorted out right when you're young. Also changes that you make or changes that you make for other people, how that can impact and make things better, maybe make things worse temporarily. (laughs) Uh, But ultimately we wanted this to be a podcast where you could come learn about some pretty interesting people and see like the ways maybe you can draw inspiration or, you know, not feel so for myself personally. So like, oh God, it's over now. I'm in my 30s and just went through another layoff. And how do I navigate this? I mean, I think you're definitely not alone. My LinkedIn feed, I don't think anybody's employed. All ages, of all creeds, of all sexes, gender, like it's just everybody's feeling it no matter what age, I think. And also I think we get this idea that we need to be at a certain place in our lives because of all these like 30 under 30 lists. And I, I saw the other day a 21 under 21 list and no. it's just like, yeah, for music, Olivia Rodrigo topped that list. And yeah, she belongs on the list. But it's just a matter of, okay, well, thank you, social media, for making me feel worse than I already do when all but these lists exist. Think about how to say, like, oh, top 20, 121. Yeah. It kind of gives this implication like you're supposed to peak before you can even drink. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, we've been taught. I had nightmares leading up to my 30th birthday. I don't know about you, but that's the age when it's all over for us, right, Red? Like, we, we have no more value to society. We become an Android. We're no longer the shiny iPhone. Like we're, we're just moving on <laughs> to our Android years. And just, yeah. uh, because of Kelly, we just lost our Android sponsorship. <laughs> well, that was the thing. My I was thankfully lucky to have a mom who was like, oh, your 20s aren't for like serious things because she didn't get married until she was in her 30s. And the thing was, though, now I'm older than she was and I'm still single. And I'm like, am I doing this wrong now? Because even by her standards, but she also had her, like, she figured things out a little bit later too. So maybe my mom needs to be on this podcast. But I was going to say, can we get her on? <laughs> <laughs> she would hate that. But that's the thing. And I think having a mom like that made me feel a little bit more like, okay, things will work out. But now I'm at the point where I'm approaching my mid-30s and going, but when? Where's my fairy tale ending? That's the thing. Life doesn't work like that, unfortunately. And we're going to spotlight some people for you that we hope will encourage everyone. If you guys have any ideas, um, definitely reach out to us on our socials or our email. We love to hear from you. So- our email is I love that for you pod at gmail.com. Please email us. Our Instagram is I love that for you pod. Ironically, we actually <laughs> got it. <laughs> wow. Surprise, nobody had it yet. But today's topic, but before we get into it, it's, it's on friendship. I figured it was very suiting given our history. And I just wanted to, we'll talk about it in another episode, but friendship is a thing that's very much been at the top of my mind lately because of the wedding. There's always that, just that anxiety that comes with ranking your friends in your wedding party. 
Um, And just a lot of people don't do that anymore and kudos to them. But I wanted that tradition. But I don't know about you. Did you feel slighted by your like spot in the lineup? Did you feel less than like how did you (laughs) how do you feel? Well, let's be honest. Okay, so. And I'm not insulted by this at all, but I actually was a last minute addition to the bridal party. Oh, there's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, I get though, because although we're friends, I also live on the other side of the country. Yes, exactly. Otherwise you would have been, yeah, one of my first calls. But I think it's really over the year. We were like my husband, my now husband was like, let me guess, it's red you're talking to (laughs) because it's just like we're inseparable. And I was like, oh, I need to have her. Right. Well, she. So I was invited to the Bachelorette down in New Orleans, which oh, was baby. such a fantastic. We'll get into time. that later. <laughs> Listen to that episode. Uh, <laughs> yes, we will have that coming up. But I will say that I had such a great time, and you do have lovely female friends. Oh, thank um, you. And I got along with everyone so quickly. Um, actually. Your friend from childhood and I yes. were the Shout first two to Alyssa, get there. If you're listening, love you, Alyssa. Alyssa, she's like my ride or die since like we were five. Like it's, I feel very fortunate to have someone like that because that doesn't happen. Like, no. how many friends do you have that you've known since you were five? Oh, I cannot name a single one. I was just coming to this country, so she was like a sister from another mister, as they say. But just again, going back to the idea of you know your college friends, your friends from after college you know if your if your spouse has a sibling um or if you have a sibling just like ranking these people and all the people that come to your bachelorette your shower your wedding it's just like it's very much top of mind it's like who's gonna show up for you who's not and you you Mm -hmm. certainly do learn like people you think were gonna show up for you you know sometimes let you down people will do that um and then others that you know maybe weren't as close to like will show how much they care about you and will surprise you so weddings are you know in a way a friendship ranking or reassessment (laughs) well true but it's also put on it because it's like okay where do people stand literally Mm -hmm. but also it's like this figurative thing of where do they stand with you and the further out people might think but again somebody has to stand there they can't all be like i'm not going to sit on someone's shoulder to be ranked the same like that's ridiculous so i get that but i also understand too how some people could find that offensive absolutely i think one of the girls mentioned that she's like oh i see where i stand i'm like no don't read into it please i promise we just had right. to give a lineup and that's this is just what it was sometimes it's based on height like literally um so when you get married red uh, rethink <laughs> how to do it and, and and amaze us all please start a new trend <laughs> i mean let's be honest if it were up to kelly kelly would say don't do the wedding I and mean, just elope please <laughs> Save yourself, Red. Save yourself. But the other thing, too, that I struggle with is because I've moved so often. I've moved pretty much once a year since I've turned 18. Wow. Yeah. So I have lived in California. I was raised in Rhode Island. I also lived in New York, both in the city and on Long Island, Connecticut. And I'm currently in Massachusetts. And so many cities in between. I lived in Ireland for a little while, briefly. Ooh. Um, yes. And then there's my home country of Canada, where I was born and would go back routinely to growing up. So I, when you live in so many different places, making friends, I'm someone who, like, I'm not trying to brag or show off, but I love talking to people. So yes. I make friends 
Do you make friends so easily, Red? I remember at The Bachelorette, you went over to that table of those people, remember, who came back from a parade? Yes. And then I think we ended up, the whole crew was outfitted with their costumes because they gave them to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for the record, they kept their clothes on. They were more the accessories. People were not stripping for me. All right, fair enough. But it sounds more fun the other way. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's the thing, though. When you move that often, it's hard to not only maintain the relationships when you're so far away, but now that we're older, it's also harder to form new friendships that are of substance. A lot of people will say like, oh, like I met this friend through work or I met this friend through like college, you know, these institutions that are kind of in place for us to kind of be forced into social interactions. And so now that I'm a freelancer who works from home, my cat Caboose is basically my best friend. Oh, like that's Caboose. Caboose. <laughs> but there's So I don't really have those in-person interactions. So now it's about finding new friendships. And also, again, I could potentially be leaving the country. How am I going to form new friendships with a whole other culture? Like it's one I know of, but I haven't lived that culture in such a long time that it's like, okay. Yeah, um, that's a good point. What do I do? How do I, what do I do with my hands? Um. <laughs> well, it, that is the question, right? As we're, we come, you know, we're adults. We, where do you meet friends? How do you socialize? And I found, I was lucky enough to be crazy to be a runner. And <laughs> there are so many run clubs in Los Angeles. And that's where I met the future husband. But that's where a lot of friends came from. Um, you know, I, did you know I'm in a karaoke league? <laughs> I'm not sure if you knew, Red. I'm in a karaoke league. (laughs) So just as a heads up to our uh, listeners, you will hear that question about (laughs) once per episode, if not more. Once every Um, 10 minutes or maybe 20. Every 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) That was like a running joke uh, down in New Orleans that (laughs) if you didn't know, um, Kelly, are you in a karaoke league? We're in a karaoke league and we're like really good. Oh my God. We lost last night, but that's okay. (laughs) I did Barbie Girl. And I was Ken. And I was assaulting Barbie, who was uh, a a lovely gentleman. (laughs) Poor poor David, if you're listening. (laughs) Uh, But consensually, this was a performance, so she wasn't actually... It was consensual, but I may have pegged him many times. And it is it is another level. This group, uh, it is a bunch of theater kids, you know, I mean, and they take it to eleven. You literally just said you peg someone on stage, and you I say did. my dating stories are wild. I mean, for the record, I've never pegged anyone. So, and- <laughs> Kelly, I still lost. I still don't agree with that results. I was also say in LA, you know, you've got more options. There's the karaoke league. I'm in a writers group. I'm now in a Dungeons and Dragons group. Um, <gasps> so excited. I'm so jealous. I've always wanted to try D&D so bad. And Wait. I, yeah. Is that we're going to meet your future friends? I mean, Did you maybe. find a league? I mean, well, but that's the thing because I'm also in this weird in-between, you know, because if I go, I'll be leaving. And again, I can make friends, but it's also if I'm just going to leave again, there's a part of me that's like, do I even try and form friendships right now? And I do have some friends in the area. It's not to negate any of that. It's just, it's it's tough. And when you're in a transition too, your friends are the people who get you through it. So I've been leaning a lot on (laughs) my friends who are not even in the same state, aka 
now there's a rule with Sean that I can't bother Kelly during dinner time. During dinner hours. It got really bad. I was like, but I want to talk to her. He's like, um, hello, I'm right here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, with that, should we jump right in? And you haven't really told me too much about it. So actually, I'll be just as surprised as these listeners. But our, our friendship that we're spotlighting? Yes. Yeah, so I wanted to spotlight a friendship that... Honestly, I was looking into like, you know, maybe friendships of people that seemed unlikely, um, maybe finding friends in places that you wouldn't expect. And we're going a little bit back in time for this one because I didn't even know about this friendship. Um, But we're going to explore a very top level because there's so much to be said for both these figures. And we're just kind of spotlighting part of their lives, uh, this friendship that they had that I wasn't even aware of. But we're going to be talking about the friendship between Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, who? <laughs> oh, wow. That is, that is actually a very, like, some part of me didn't think they overlapped. Like, right. right? Honestly, well, because, and I'll get into it too, why we might think that way, because I, part of me was like, they're the same era? Like, both of them in their own rights are such icons but to go into just some of the sources where i pulled the information about this friendship there's an article from far out magazine called inside the friendship of ella fitzgerald and marilyn monroe there's a cnn documentary special called reframed marilyn monroe uh there's a knkx npr article how marilyn monroe changed ella fitzgerald's life And there's also a Drunk History episode with a segment with Timberly Hill talks about this. Oh, I worked on that show. Fun fact. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that. Wait. Not not that episode, but I worked on one of the seasons. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, we're going to have to definitely talk about that later because um, that would be, if I could ever be on any show, that would be the show I would have wanted to be on. Just You were born for that show. Oh, I, (laughs) you guys will learn as we go through this that I'm a bit of a history nerd and not today because I have spin later, um, but I do love myself a dr- little drink. <laughs> <laughs> so to get me to drink and talk about historical events would just be... I mean, we do have our love of tiki we didn't even discuss. I know, is... which we're going to have to go into at some point. So here's the thing. like Right away, you wouldn't think that these two would cross paths because um, Ella Fitzgerald, a.k.a. Ella Jane Fitzgerald... Um, she was actually born in Newport News, Virginia, so on the East Coast, on April 25th, 1917. Meanwhile, Norma Jean Mortensen, aka the future Marilyn Monroe, was born June 1st, 1926, in Los Angeles. Right from the start, they're on opposite ends of the country. Why would these two have crossed paths? Like and again, <laughs> there's like a 10-year age gap, basically, between the two of them. You would think, what would these two have in common? But I will say right from the beginning, both of them actually had a bit of a troubled childhood. So when Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean, there's so much to be said for her and her life. I would say definitely explore so many places because there's movies, there's documentaries, there's books, there's like, she's such an icon and so is Ella. But when she was born, she spent actually most of her childhood in foster homes. Mm. She reportedly lived in 12. Her mother had was mentally ill and there was a lot of discussion about her father and her parentage. And it wasn't actually until 2022 that they 
found DNA testing that proved that her father was actually a man her mother was having an affair with that she worked with. And unfortunately, trigger warning, we're not going to go into it, but there was some sexual trauma there as well Mm. as she was growing up. And again, she got married at the age of 16. Meanwhile, Ella would lose her mom at the age of 15. She had a little bit of a tumultuous upbringing as well. From an early age, she loved music, but after her mother passed away in a car accident, her stepfather took care of her. But there's different reports. Allegedly, he was abusing her as well. So then she was sent to Harlem to live with her aunt. Then she started skipping school. She actually started working as a lookout at a bordello. They say bordello. I believe also it could be referred to as a brothel. But wow. she also never really talked publicly about this part of her life because like, there was just a lot going on. She was sent to an orphan asylum. Then she was moved to a training school for girls. Again, both of them had these very troubled upbringings. But both of them found basically their success and kind of their outlets in artwork in the sense of Marilyn would start modeling pinup what <laughs> what do we even discuss that part of you oh we what? haven't even talked about my <laughs> pinup modeling so many layers to you i know oh, well we are multifaceted people just Very. like the two of them <laughs> so she would break through as an actress and god her movies were phenomenal she made so much money between 1949 and 1952 was really where she became a breakout star and meanwhile, Ella, at the age of 21, she recorded a playful version of Atiska Atasket. It's that nursery rhyme. And it would oh, go yeah. on to sell a million copies, hit number one, and stay in the pop chart for 17 weeks. It's crazy. That's insane. And anyone will tell you, Ella Fitzgerald, I mean, she her voice was incredible. Um, she was called the first lady of song. She's been called the queen of jazz, Lady Ella. She just had impeccable diction. She was known for like having this kind of pure tone of voice and she was able to improv, especially with scat singing. Just she's a a jazz legend. But as we know, these were not exactly the greatest of times for someone who was a person of color. No. No. She was part of this thing called the Chitlin Circuit. So this was a network of clubs, theaters, and other venues where black entertainers could perform. They called it that because they sold chitlins and other soul food dishes out of the kitchens. Kelly, do you know what a chitlin is? I have no idea. I was going to Google it. (laughs) Oh, I I looked it up. And okay, I am not one. I love soul food, but I've never actually had this. And I didn't know what it was. It is apparently a dish made out of pig intestines. Let's talk about 1950s food. We're not exactly known for having the most tasty dishes. (laughs) My theory is that everyone was smoking, so they didn't really have the best uh, taste buds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jello was a big dish. Um, so, but I will say, soul food is incredible. I just have never had chitlins before. The term like chitlin was also like secondary. It was like less formal. It wasn't these big fancy venues or anything like that. And like to talk about some of the experience people went through, reportedly there was an experience where. The police were annoyed by having these performers. So one night they actually went backstage, arrested everybody, and then they had the nerve to ask for an autograph once they were down at the (gasps) station. Stop. On the one hand, they're fans, but on the other, they're just going to treat them like they're less than just for performing. So finally, this is where these two cross paths. 
Yay. The other thing too was as much as Marilyn was getting all the success, she wanted to be taken more seriously. A lot of the times she was being faced with kind of being, I'm sure a lot of women can relate to being like, just shut up and look pretty. Mm-hmm. But Marilyn actually had this desire to be like a true triple threat where she could not only act, but she could also dance, but also sing. And so uh, reportedly she went to her voice teacher and the voice teacher was the one who said to her, Marilyn wanted to become a better voice performer, singer, and she went to her voice coach and the voice coach told her to buy Ella Fitzgerald's record. Now, either she was told to do this or she just loved the music so much she did this, but apparently she listened to that record a hundred times in a row. She loved her voice. <gasps> Who doesn't? A right. hundred times though. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So they would meet in 1954 when Marilyn went to go see Ella play at a club in Los Angeles. At this time, 1954, Marilyn was 28 and Ella was about 37. And they apparently, it was either at this time or later on, when they did eventually get to talk to each other, they started bonding over their earlier failed marriages. Both of them were either in or had already had two marriages. But they also, you know, they talked about their childhood and also their experience of being like, oh, I'm a woman who looks a certain way. And because of that, I'm not able to do certain things that I want. Or I'm seen and perceived to be a certain way or certain thing. Apparently, Ella either mentioned or it just became aware to Marilyn that she didn't want to just do jazz clubs. She wanted to play bigger and fancier venues. Now, there was this one club who was very prominent at the time, and this was the Mo Combo or Macombo. Mm -hmm. This was a very well-known establishment. Uh, This was actually where Frank Sinatra made his debut in 1943 constantly frequented by celebrities like Clark Gable, Charlie Chaplin, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, and Lana Turner. To be a fly on the wall. Right? (laughs) What a place. Now, some articles will say they didn't want Ella Fitzgerald to perform there because she was black. It's a hot topic at the time. However, they had other black performers perform there, such as Herb Jeffries, Joyce Bryant, and someone who I want to spotlight later because she is a queen and just spitball of a personality, Eartha Kitt. Ah, Eartha Kitt. I know well. Eartha Kitt. Oh my God. I know very well. So it's not that they weren't allowing black artists to perform. They were just very specific about the types of black artists they wanted to allow to perform there. And Kelly, get ready to get pissed off. Oh, I'm already pissed. (laughs) I'm pre-pissed. They didn't really want to let her in because three reasons. She was too black, Mm. too fat, and too ugly. Wow. This is not our opinion. This does not reflect the opinion of anyone on this podcast this is what wow. is i found from my sources that they were saying about this oh and i am insulted on her behalf my blood is boiling <laughs> right so when marilyn realized like she wanted to play bigger and better not better just bigger and more fancy establishments let's say it that way she was like i'm going to help my friend so she personally called the owners of the of the venue and she made them a deal that if they let Ella Fitzgerald perform, she would be there 
every night. She would be front row and you could take as many photos as you want of me. Basically saying, I'll bring famous friends, like all this kind of stuff. Like she was just making these offers to be like, and this is not something that is, this is potentially something that's dangerous for her career because again, we're in the civil rights movement. There's heightened racism. There's a lot of stuff going on that this could have really done some damage to her career. We know there's a lot of issues around like white savior complexes and stuff like that. But I want to say like in this instance, again, there is a bit of that, but I think as we are both two white women, I think this is something that we need to do a better job of, of supporting other women in, you know, who are of different backgrounds. When 100%. there's a, there's a lot of issues with feminism where we, white women aren't, they're like, we're supporting other women, but there's been a lot of talk about how we support other white women, but we're not yep. doing more for people of different backgrounds. And yep. I think this is a good example of someone seeing not only someone who is their equal, but someone who is insanely talented and because of her appearance is being held back when she's this phenomenon of a jazz singer. And just a singer in general, she's just this wonderful artist. And for her to step up for her friend and say, no, I want to be there for her. In fact, there's a quote from Marilyn where she said, they asked who her favorite singer was. And she said, my very favorite person. And I love her as a person as well as a singer. I think she's the greatest. And that's Ella Fitzgerald. Not only did it once again lead to a huge success because again, not only did they basically sell out every show because people would go maybe at first to see like the celebrities there and like, oh my God, Marilyn Monroe is front row and blah, blah, blah. Because again, I'm sure a lot of white audiences didn't know certain black artists during this time. But once you hear Ella's voice, holy shit. <laughs> you can't deny it. You can't deny that kind of talent. Like sure, people came to see that maybe at first, but also they extended her an extra week because of the popularity. But yeah. I love that for them. Right. Well, <laughs> that makes me so happy. The thing is, um, uh -oh. well, I hear they a bad thing coming. Well, because we know they could have been closer, but a big thing that was a um, struggle in their friendship was uh, Monroe, Marilyn, um, she struggled with drug addiction. Like that was a thing too, where they would give actresses a lot of medications and things like that. And the other thing was Ella was not someone who drank really or definitely didn't do any drugs or anything like that. She was against that. So obviously that's going to be a huge hurdle in their friendship. So they probably weren't as close as they could have been. But there's this beautiful quote from Ella where she said, I owe Marilyn Monroe a, a real debt. She personally called the owner of the Macombo and told him she wanted me booked immediately. And if he would do it, she would take a front table every night. She told him, and it was true due to Marilyn's superstar status, that the press would go wild. The owner said yes, and Marilyn was there front table every night. The press went overboard. After that, I never had to play a small jazz club again. She was an unusual woman, a little ahead of her times, and she didn't know it. So this is where we get to the sad part, though. Of oh, no. Marilyn Monroe would pass away at only the age of 36 Ugh. on mm -hmm. August 4th, 1962. There's a lot of discussion and debates about her death. Some people say it was an accidental overdose. Some people say it was suicide. Other people have 
some opinions that maybe because of the people she was involved with, some very powerful figures, there was stuff there. I mean, we do know that she passed away and drugs were involved. It's a very sad end to someone who had such stardom and not just stardom, but she just genuinely seemed like someone who struggled a lot in her life from the very beginning and still did these incredible movies and was a stunningly beautiful person. But I think also inside and out, if she's recognizing other talented women and trying to support them and really give them the opportunities that she was able to get as a white woman and help support other women who wouldn't have had certain doors open to them if not for that help. And kudos to Ella for even like, because if it were me, I'd be like, fuck that club. And, you know, <laughs> today I could see people thinking, well, white savior syndrome, you know, but there wasn't that luxury back in those days, I imagine. Like, what was Ella going mean, to do? You know, we still have issues today. It's not a perfect world or system we have set up, especially in the entertainment industry. There's still so much typecasting and things like that. I know we're trying to do better, but. We still have a long way to go. I will also mention that Ella Fitzgerald actually lived to the age of 79. She had a long struggle with diabetes. And actually, I didn't know this. She had both her legs amputated below the knees. Wait, what? Yeah, later in life, like not too long before she would pass away of a stroke on June 15th, 1996. Whoa. I didn't realize like, so we were like- we, I mean, we were little, but we were there. Like she, we were alive, and so was Ella. Oh, like, wow. That's cool. There was also um, in 2008 there was a musical drama play that was about this friendship between Marilyn and Ella called Marilyn and Ella. What an unlikely friendship! And I'm sure they would have actually stayed friends had you know Marilyn been around longer. And I'm just like, it's one of those things where you know who knew that buying a record could eventually lead to like a friendship. <laughs> You know, it took a while to get her into the non-jazz audience as well. Like I would say it was kind of after that point of the 19, again, that was 1955, where really things started to cross over into more of the, I would say it was still popular, but I would say she was starting to get more notice from the mainstream white audience. Love that for them. Yeah, I love that for them too. Like just having this friendship where, you know what I think a good a real friendship is. Well, I think a real friendship is where when you're in a room of opportunity, your friend, your real friends are the ones who are going to say your name in that room. Because it's just, if you think about it, who are the the people who you really see as like your true rider dies are the people who are going to be like, oh, here's this opportunity. This sounds amazing. And not only that, but I know someone. And when we're constantly as women told to, there's not enough seats at the table for all women. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly like put in competition with each other. It's nice to hear a story about cuz again, Marilyn could have been like, "Oh, I should be on that stage. I want to be a better singer. Like, let me use True. my stardom and let me go perform and let me blah blah blah." And like she heard these records of Ella Fitzgerald and was like, "Oh, I should just like do her songs." She did some music. Reportedly her her voice did improve enough that she did some movies. I mean, she wasn't known she was kind of overshadowed by like the constant sexuality that they kind of put her in. Like yeah. she's saying, you know, happy birthday, Mr. President. And <laughs> infamously. Infamously. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, if you kind of like, granted, I think everybody's focused on the sexual components of that performance as opposed to vocally. 
It wasn't a bad performance. That wasn't a bad performance. You're right, actually. Right. If you <laughs> think about funny. it, like, it's like, oh, right. Like, she, part of the sexiness was the fact that it sounded sexy. Yeah, it did. But <laughs> there was, everybody was focused more on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the like, thing. I think that was a thing she constantly ran into where as much as her beauty opened doors for her, it also became like a kind of burden in a way to like I know that sounds like the worst burden oh she's so beautiful it's It's such a burden (laughs) right but it's not like that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying people just wanted her to be this one thing and she wanted to be more and so in a way her own appearance also kind of held her from trying to do that instead of focusing on that and making it about herself and trying to be changing things in that way of oh I should be on that stage it was no she's incredible she should be on that stage helping her get there what's that saying a rising boat raises all the tides what is it <laughs> i mean a rising tide lifts all boats i think that's oh, kind of yeah i was about to say i was trying say, to say i was like how does a boat raise the tide like i'm like i grew up in the Very ocean state. i've never <laughs> i've never seen that oh god i need coffee uh no a rising tide lifts all boats and we should that. uh you know that applies to this friendship and it should apply to any friendship and yeah. you'll see who shows up for you doesn't you know say it says your name at that table doesn't you know sends you a card when you know you're heaven forbid your cat dies uh you know just <gasps> i know caboose don't say that to me <laughs> Just, I have my headphones in so he can't hear what you just said. My God. <laughs> I think, he's like asleep I, on the couch right now. I'm going to have to go check that he's oh, breathing because no, I'm like, now you. <laughs> I can't believe I've turned into one of those people too. That no, does I'm that. the same with Bandit. <laughs> it's really bad when he doesn't breathe or it looks like he's not. I think he's dead. It's really uh, a problem. But uh, what I was going to say was, you know, this. American society is all about the individual, but other cultures have it right and they're about the community. And I think you should, you know, we should all take a note and, you know, give your friend a call, pick up the phone. Like, you know, you never know how somebody's feeling. And, you know, I think that's something that I'm trying to be better about is being a better friend Hmm. Um, and really doing the actions to go an extra mile to make them feel, you know, like they're not just somebody I see once every other month because we're tired. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's the problem about adult friendships is everybody's so tired and you have to get a doodle out to schedule when you're going to meet. <laughs> right. So just the, you know, little moments in between, if it's a call, a text, a, an email, a funny meme, just, you know, let them know you're thinking of them and don't always, you know, it's not always got to be about you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And well, I will say this too, like you make a good point about you know, there's a lot going on in everyone's lives. Uh, right before this call, I was giving just the the morning update of my life, and yes. Kelly was so many things. Like red, what is <laughs> why? <laughs> so many things going on, people that you haven't even right. heard about. She's going through. But yeah. the thing with that too is, it's a two friendship is a two way street, and as much as you know. I will definitely be someone who's like, well, there's like a million things going on. It's not to say like I forget to also check in and make sure like my friends are doing okay. And like I've gone through the experiences of where I've been the person who's trying to support like a friendship. But then at the end of the day, your mental health is your responsibility. So it's not on you to like Ella is not going to be the one who's going to save Marilyn in a way with like the drug versa. addiction. 
And there's one thing of helping other people find opportunities and being there and being supportive as people go through all the different experiences of life, whether they're good, bad, ugly, all that stuff. But sometimes all the difference it takes is just a quick, hey, was thinking of you and I hope all is well and let's catch up soon. And then you try and figure out the calendar stuff and all that jazz. But like just the simple note of like, I, you're in my thoughts as much as we make fun of the whole thoughts in Paris thing, like saying to someone, you are in my thoughts, I'm thinking of you, helps someone feel less alone. And so doing that for other people is such a big thing, like just to let them know that they do matter. You are loved and cared about. And we here at I Love That For You, we love you guys. And we want you to have these wonderful friendships and connect with other people since we're all best friends here now. (laughs) All two of you listening. Yes. (laughs) You mean me listening and you listening? Yeah, basically just us. It's just in the void. It's just us. (laughs) Pretty much. said, please reach out to us at I love that for you pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at I love that for you pod. Anything else, Red? Uh, just, you know, Marilyn and Ella, your friendship. I love that for you. I love that for you. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. See you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love, and if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.